James, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I'm so excited to be here and talking with you. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for being a guest on Music and Therapy with Relationship Coach Kiana W. Mitchell. (laughs) Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm truly happy to have you as a guest. Just tell me a little bit about yourself and what your specialty is and what you do. Yeah, so I'm also a relationship coach. I'm also a hypnotist. Uh, I've studied hypnosis, neuro-linguistic programming. I've done uh, things along the lines of 10-day Vipassanas, which is silent meditation retreats. Um, So I've done a lot of inner work, a lot of self-growth, and I help a lot of people uh, specifically with inner child work as it relates to relational things. So why do we have fights? Why do we get triggered when we're in relationships? Why is it so hard to just accept love and open up to love why do we get defensive when people try to love us um so that's kind of my background and what i really specialize in um and yeah it's a lot of fun connecting with new people just like yourself Uh, i love to get to know people and i've always been that kid who uh you know one of my best friends in high school she was sitting on a bench one day and she was crying and she was a senior i was a sophomore and i just sat down next to her and i said What's going on? And she told me she broke up with her boyfriend and this and that. And I just sat there and I listened. So I've always been this kind of person that people kind of spilled their heart to. So I needed to go in and learn the details of how the subconscious mind works so that I have uh, not just an intuitive sense, but I also know exactly why the brain does what it does. And that way we can release the emotions that are holding us back from love. So that's kind of what I do. Um, yeah. Amazing. That is truly amazing because I also have always been intrigued with love. Ever since I was younger, I would read books on it. I would study it. I don't know. And it's like all the music I like is about love stories and love songs. I've always been so fascinated by it. And you, what you said is so true because so many times we don't realize that things that have happened in childhood or things that have happened to us in the past have an impact on our relationship. Like this week, I'm doing a podcast about, um, well, of course, listeners, by the time you hear this, that you would have already heard the podcast. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. that's how that will work out. But I am doing a podcast this week about how things that other people have done to us broke our trust and makes it hard for you to trust in your current relationship. And so the whole theme of the podcast is like, how how do you rebuild trust when you are not the one who broke it? It's just amazing to see how our mind takes one event 
and correlates it with every other event in our lives. Yeah, that's that's what I call a, an overlay. So a trauma in the past, because it's not dealt with, because we don't have a healthy relationship to it, exactly. we overlay that onto everything else and we project it out as if that's what's still happening. Because our body wants to our body wants to release the emotion. Our body wants mm-hmm. to come back into alignment, but it can't do it because we have these false uh thoughts in our head. We have this overlay. So we that's how we create, recreate trauma in our lives. We recreate the, the relationship we had with our parents because our mind knows it's, it's not what's supposed to happen. It's not real love. So it's trying to purge and process those things. But oftentimes, it just re-traumatizes us. So, yeah, makes a lot of sense. And I'm glad you're doing that. That's like This is powerful work that the world really, really needs right now. I agree. I just feel that sometimes we get love confused with so many other things. And a lot of it has to do with us working on ourselves, which is one of the hardest things to do because it's easy to fix somebody else and see what their issues are. But when you have to actually work on yourself and deal with your own issues and your own ideas and things that you've been through and your perception of yourself, then it's a lot harder. And I do believe that once you are the best version of you, then relationships will become easy. But so many times we don't get to that point because you break up, you just meet somebody else, you don't take the time in between to work on yourself. And so you just take one you take one set of baggage to another relationship, just add and keep taking it along. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I actually believe it's impossible to fix other people. Exactly, it's not right? possible. <laughs> we try to fix other people, but what we're really trying to do is we're trying to give people what we're needing. Mm-hmm. But because we're giving from a place of not having, it's like, if you need $100, and I'm like, here, I want to give you $100, but I don't have $100, how am I supposed to give you that? Right. right? It makes sense with money, right? I can't give you $100 if I don't have it. I'll go into debt. But that's because it's a physical thing. But when it comes to emotions, it's we give, we try and give love. We try and give safety. We try to give support. But what we're really doing is we're we're giving from a place of not having, which depletes us even more. Mm-hmm. So when we finally do need to, to receive, it's a breakdown. Right. Right. But we're actually training the people around us uh, that we're givers. We're just going to give, give, give. And they're take, take, take. So when we actually break down and need something, then those people are nowhere to be found. But it's because we literally train them to do that. Yeah. So it's our, we, we are self-sabotage machines, <laughs> especially when it comes to relationships. But thankfully, there's people like you and me out here, like doing the inner work, which is the only way to help someone else is by helping yourself first, right? Save yourself from drowning and then buy a boat and then go back out, right? <laughs> yeah, the only way you can save people is like, you got to save yourself and then you can help someone else. And I think it's important for people to learn about relationships because, most people have kids and all we're doing is teaching our kids the same dysfunctional behavior that we've learned. So it's like, if we don't fix ourselves and if we don't learn and do all the work that we need to do, then we're just going to perpetuate the cycle. Cause the things we're doing are things we saw our parents do and the things they did were things that they saw their parents do. And if we don't stop it, then all we're going to do is have another generation of kids who don't understand about love and don't understand themselves. And that's okay to let your emotions be seen and be free with who you are. That's all we're doing. So that's why it's so important now for us to do this. Yeah. I'm really curious. What, what's been your like 
because obviously if if you've been really curious and interested in love that means that there's like a reason for it so i'm curious to know what what's like been your biggest challenge when it comes to relationships and love well the main reason i'm doing this podcast because i have i'm like the person where i like to control things so i like to know what's happening when it's going to happen, how, if I could somehow know every word that's coming out of people's mouths <laughs> so I could prepare for it, life would be great for me. But when it comes to people, and I mean, I think sometimes my personality is really good when it comes to business. It's good when it comes to organization. Yes. It has its place, and it is good in those areas. But when you try to take that and apply it to relationships or take that and apply that to being a parent or even common friendships and just getting along with coworkers is not the best trait to have because then you start to micromanage people. You try to make people fit into your little worldview of how you think things should go. And for a long time, I would do that and I would wonder, okay, this is not working out. And I knew it wasn't working out, but I didn't want to figure out why. So one day I just sat down, like Kiana, listen, because my husband and I, we had been married for a few years. Mm-hmm. He was doing his thing. He was, doing things his way, I was doing things my way. There was no compromise. And after a while, you get tired of the arguing, you get tired of the fighting. So you sit down and you're just like, okay, clearly me trying to change him is not working. And he did the same thing at around the same time. He's like, clearly me trying to change her is not working. So what do you do? You sit down and work on yourself because you start to see, oh, I'm not as perfect as I thought I was, or maybe I could change this. Maybe people could take this for being defensive, even though that's not what I mean. So you start to look more at yourself and try to fix things and work on yourself. And I don't even know if I should say fix things because I think we are who we are because of past experiences and things that happened to us. But I do believe that we can change our behavior when we understand why we're acting the way that we do. And so my whole reason for letting people know about love and relationships and talking about them is because... I'm trying to keep somebody from making the years of mistakes that I made. Yes. You know, that's what I'm trying to do. Yes. So if you can hear what I have to say and listen to the mistakes I made and be like, okay, I'm not going to do that, then I think it's worthwhile. Somebody can learn something from what I did. Yeah, that's beautiful. And that's actually how people learn. People learn by listening to stories. Mm-hmm. And the best story is our own story. To tell. Exactly. All right. So if people can... Uh, jump into your reality for a moment and like because that's what we do we overlay our experience onto the story that's why when we watch movies it's like we're always the main character <laughs> right because so that's you cry how, with them and you, feel you cry when the puppy dies and like when someone oh no they can't they can't be reunited oh no right it's because we put ourselves into the experience right exactly and usually when we have gone far enough into the story after the plot twist, after the, you know, the battle with the dragon and all that stuff, you know, all the, the things, then there's some kind of lesson at the end. Right. So if people can step into your reality for a moment and then hear about your experience and like, let's say someone who's 20 years old, who doesn't know nothing about nothing. We all think we do when we're 20. <laughs> Right. I did. I was like, yeah, I I know better. My parents. Meanwhile, they're like 40 years older than me and like have been through all the cycles. Yeah. Um, When we can actually just sit and listen. Then that allows us to gain the wisdom without having to go through, like you said, a decade of pain 
and frustration. It's like you get to condense all of your information down into like what, 20 minutes, like yeah. five minutes. Here's the thing. Um, so I love that you're doing that. And I know it's powerful because if there's one human being in the world uh, that had has an experience, then that means there's more than one human being. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people that are where you are right now. And there's a lot of people that are a little bit further behind. And then there's a lot of people that don't even know that they're in your same shoes. And so, yeah, this is awesome. Oh, this is, I, I like you. You're fun. This is good. <laughs> but thank you. Now I know you talk a lot about, um, you say you do hypnosis. Like, mm-hmm. I guess my question with you with that is how do you help people with hypnosis? What does that do to help people? And do you use it on people who are in relationships, out of relationships? Like, how do you use that to help people find out more about themselves and improve their relationship? Yeah. So there's actually no real definition for hypnosis. Okay, so the the hypnosis that I like to speak of is mm-hmm. trance states. So that is happening to people every single day, all the time. If if you've ever literally like gotten into your car, started it, pulled out of your driveway, and then all of a sudden you just got to work because you take the same way every single time, and you don't even don't don't remember what happened. You just showed up. You were in a trance state. Your subconscious mind was taking over and just doing. Because our rational mind, the part of our mind that's like 10% of, you know, we're not very rational beings. We think we are because we can do like math and stuff. (laughs) But really, we're emotional beings that rationalize our emotional decisions. So what happens is anytime we shift from an emotional state to another emotional state, whether it's happy to sad, you know, someone comes into work and they're angry, then you get angry. They hypnotize you. They put you into a different altered state. So what I do is I utilize that information about human beings and the subconscious mind. And through language, I shift people from one state to another. And usually people's problems are a mixture between beliefs that they have about the world that are limiting. Right? So if you put yourself in a box and um, the answer is outside of that box, you'll never find the answer. Right. So with hypnosis, I poke holes in the box. I kick out the legs from the table because they're just limitations. I expand people's perspective, and then I help them access their own intuitive power. Because you're so, everyone knows the answers to their questions. Mm-hmm. Have you ever given someone relationship advice? Yes, and then they could tell me what they should do, and then of course you're like, well, if you know what you should do then why aren't you doing it? But it's easier to know what you should do and it's harder to follow through with what you know you should be doing. Yes, there's a part of us that always gives the best advice. We're like, mm-hmm. yeah, I know exactly what you should do and you tell them and then they don't listen and do whatever the fuck they want to do anyway, right? But then there's also that part of you that receives advice and resists advice. So there's a part of us that knows the answer. But then for some reason, when we need the help, we can't access the information. So what I do is I tap people into their inner wise man or inner wise woman, which is the subconscious part of their mind that connects to the higher self. And I move them out of the ego, which is the part of their subconscious mind that connects directly to their wounded inner child. So we have these two people inside of us. Everyone does. The wise person and the wounded child. And a lot of times we're letting the wounded child drive the bus. Right. So in relationships – the best place to get triggered (laughs) 
most of us are playing like destruction derby. We put our three-year-old in the front seat and we're like, ah, and the three-year-old's like, ah, you know, just pl- going right into the ditch that you always drive into because that's what you've always done. When in reality, all you need to do is put the three-year-old to say, I love you. It's okay. I know you're scared, but we're not going to drive the bus today. We're going to put them in the back seat where they belong, give them an ice cream cone, mm-hmm. right? And say, okay, you have fun. I'm going to drive the bus now. And then our inner adult, our inner wise person who knows the answers, but's usually afraid because the inner child's driving the bus, that steps into the forefront. And then I basically, I give people access to that part of them. I don't have any answers for my clients, right. but I know the questions and I know the neurology to give them access to the answers that they already have. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. It kind of reminds me of like you mentioned before, self-limiting beliefs and how people have these different beliefs about themselves. Because I know I've talked to some people who are like, I was in a relationship. It didn't work out well. This one didn't work out well. So they have convinced themselves that they're just not good at relationships because each one didn't work out well. And you're like, no, no, that's not exactly what's going on. You know, there are other factors. There are other things in between that that they didn't take into consideration or take into account. They just came up, oh, well, I'm not good with relationships. I'll never find love because this happens. And and you're like, no, that's just not how it is. So, yeah, it makes total sense what you just said. Yeah, what I've found is most people feel unworthy of love. Mm-hmm. or they don't know what love is they think right. love is sadness it's what you said earlier it's like they they misinterpret other things for love when in reality like i used to think love was sadness because right. i loved this person i had an attachment to this person a trauma bond and mm-hmm. she always made me feel sad and rejected and abandoned because that's what i felt like in childhood so it felt mm-hmm. familiar yeah so i started to associate love with sadness and when you get those wires crossed, man, that's a knot you got to start pulling apart, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and that's called codependency. And I know you know about codependency, right? Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's codependency? When you, when you get uh, your clients in, like, do you, do you find a lot of people that are codependent? I do. And the thing is, like, I can see it, but they can't see it. So then the challenge is helping them to be able to see how they are codependent, to recognize what makes this happen with them, like what are their triggers? What triggers this response that happens or what makes you like a certain person when you see this particular Mm -hmm. characteristic? And then they can start to see where it comes together. Because I know when I was younger, I used to like guys who were unattainable. And that was because when I was, you know, and it's because when I was a kid, my dad left. So it was one of those things like, okay, so I can try to make this person like me. But then you have to understand, listen, you can make someone like you. And yes, that did happen. But there are people who are going to like you for you. You don't have to go after the people who don't have an interest just because you're trying to mm-hmm. fill the void of what happened then. But it took me getting to know this about myself because if I didn't, I would probably be the, I'd probably be an older person, an older version of the younger Kiana who still went after people who were unattainable. Not because they were unattainable because I couldn't get them but unattainable emotionally because that is what I was looking for at the time and I think that sometimes we actually we look for things that are not good for us so we act we're finding what we're looking for but we shouldn't be looking for what we're finding (laughs) that is the whole issue like we're looking we find what we're looking for because that's the kind of person we're going after but we shouldn't be going after that person and until we realize why we want that type of individual 
then we can change that behavior. Because if not, we'll just go through life going and chasing the same dream that's not really there for you. Yeah, and I really like what you said. I, I haven't used the word unattainable, but I like that word. I use the word unavailable. Mm-hmm. It's like, and uh, a lot of people find themselves, because it's safe, right? Yeah. Because the thing is, is most people believe that they're not worthy of love. So if they're chasing after someone who's not going to give it to them anyway, it's mm-hmm. reinforcing the limiting belief of I'm not good enough. Yeah, and they didn't and, lose anything. And they're not losing anything. And because what happens is, when you go for something that's unattainable and you know it's unattainable or unavailable, you're actually in the safest place because right. your deepest fear is that you're actually not good enough. So if you find someone that can give you love, if you find someone that wants to treat you right, well, what if, what if they find out who the real you is and then they don't want to do that because you're not good enough? So we run away from the thought and the belief of I'm not good enough, which puts us in predicaments where we reinforce the belief of I'm not good enough because we don't want to sit with the possibility. It's not true. It's absolutely not true. We just don't want to sit with the possibility that maybe we're not good enough. And this is kind of moving into meditation, right? Which is what you you said earlier. I've been meditating every single day for how long? About two weeks now, a little over two weeks for an hour a day in meditation. And I've done a 10-day silent meditation retreat where you don't talk to anyone. You don't look at anyone. You just sit down for 10 hours a day and meditate. And what you begin to realize is when you just come here in the moment, come now in the moment, and like block out all the other stuff that's happening around you, what you begin to recognize is – you have this internal dialogue that just plays on a loop over and over and over like a broken record. And that broken record is in command of your life. That subconscious program, I like to look at our subconscious mind as a computer program. Mm -hmm. And there's these things called thought viruses. And what a thought virus is, is it's detached. It's a thought that's detached from experience. Right. So it's just this thing you can't it can't actually get new feedback. So it can't have a new experience because you t- your rational brain turns off because it's so afraid. It turns off the outside senses. So you're like I'm not good enough <laughs> and you're afraid to even think about well maybe I'm not, right? Because what if you are? And what happens when you just sit with that thought virus, look at it and you feel it. I'm not good enough. What happens if you just feel like you're not good enough, right? Probably doesn't mm-hmm. feel very good. Right. But if you can sit with that for long enough, you recognize that you're not it. You're not the thought. You're not the emotion attached to the thought. You're not the belief. You aren't even your body. If you sit for long enough in meditation, you start to put a wedge of awareness. You know what a wedge is, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you chop wood with an axe. The axe is a wedge that splits the wood apart. So that wedge of awareness by just sitting down and observing your thoughts puts a space in between who you really are, which is awareness, in between the things that you think you are, which is your thoughts and the stories. What happens is when you let those stories fall away and die, right? That's why we're so afraid of it because we're going to die because we're identified with it. 
when you let those stories fall away now, what happens is something new can happen. Something spontaneous can happen. You don't have to make the grass grow, do you? Mm-mm, you don't. Do you, have, do you have to make it rain nope. when it's dry? No. Do you have to make the wind blow or the clouds form? None of that. That same energy that's making all those things happen without you needing to lift a finger is also animating your body. It's keeping your heart beating. It's growing your fingernails. It's making you blink. It's making you digest your food without needing to think about a thing. That same energy is trying to give you the life that you want to live. It's trying to tell you you are love. It's trying to tell you you're good enough. You're worthy. It's literally has a silver platter right in front of you saying here. But then we're like, no, please don't. Don't know it hurts. Love hurts so bad because people in the past that weren't trying to give you love, they were hurt people, hurt people, right? Mm -hmm. So they were just projecting their own pain. But you love them like parents, so we're afraid that love equals pain, right? right? Mm -hmm. But that's not the truth. Love is love. Pain is pain. So we can undo that knot. And when you just sit and meditate for a moment, even for like 20 minutes, even begin to recognize really quickly that all that stuff that you've been playing on in your head in a loop will just be thrown out because it's not true. It's the past, and the past is gone. It's never coming back, right? Well, that's true. And I had a similar experience uh, like a week or two ago. Okay. I hate vaccines. Uh-huh. And so uh, the last time I had one, I was a little kid. I remember the doctor, this big, scary needle. And it was a very traumatizing thing for me because I was terrified. So, of course, you know, you think you outgrow that when you get older. However, I realized I did not. My, you know, we have the COVID-19 vaccine. So my stepson, he went and got his. And I was putting it off. And I was like, okay. I keep telling my kids as soon as it comes, it becomes available for kids their age, they can get it. And they're excited about it. I was like, and it's available to my age. Well, it's available to all adults now. So I'm like, I need to just go ahead and get it. So I was thinking it was going to be a long wait. Because you know how sometimes you do things where you're like, okay, so there's going to be a long wait. I'll have months to prepare myself. That's not what happened. So I went on the website on a Friday and they gave me an appointment for last Tuesday. And so I was really freaking out. I was like, oh, my goodness, I don't know. And, you know, I was thinking about the big needle and how scary it was. I was thinking about side effects. I was reading all of these things online. And, you know, you can always find what you're looking for. So I was finding all of this negative information online about side effects and people who died eight hours after. Like, I was terrified. And I always didn't want to go. My kids were like, Mom, they're like, this is ridiculous. You have to do this. You have to go. And one of my daughters, she even took off from class that day just to go with me. She's like, you just have to do this. And I thought about it. And so that morning, I usually try to get up extra early so I could do prayer and meditation. So I was thinking, I was like, I'm really scared, God. What should I do? And then you know how you just take some time just to think. So I just sat there and I just thought for a minute. And I was like, Kiana, this is crazy. I'm like, there are a lot of people who are still alive after the vaccine you know this because you talked to them on facebook yesterday so they are alive and they're well and they're i was like this i said that article you read was the same article that you've read three other times because it's the same article that many news sites have on their page the same article on different media outlets makes it look like it's a lot but i'm like once you think about it it was one article that's scaring you 
people are alive, people are well, mm-hmm. they're not having all of these terrible um, side effects. I'm like, so what is the problem? And then after I thought about it, I was like, you know, this is silly. So I went, I got the vaccine, and the crazy thing about it, I, th- I was imagining it's going to be painful, the, the needle was going to be so long. I sat down, I told the nurse, I was like, listen, I'm nervous, I'm going through it with it anyway. And I didn't even feel the vaccine. Like, it didn't even feel like a pinch. It was just like a little, how can I put it? It, w- it wasn't even a pinch. It didn't even hurt. And I'm sitting up there like, oh. So I spent three days stressing out about this. And that's what we do. We spend time stressing out about things because we imagine that they are so bad. And we imagine that all these terrible things are going to happen. Or like you said, self-limiting beliefs that we can't do this and we can't achieve this. When you can, you just have to get rid of your fear, get rid of your perception of things. Because sometimes our perception, even though it is our reality, is not real. It's not true. Yeah. And imagine, right? So that that was a, a very real experience for you. You said three days of being anxious and nervous and finding things. Uh, oh, no, I'm going to die, right? <laughs> Stressed out. And it's crazy because I know about vaccines. I did the research. I know it's safe. Yeah. I know all of this stuff. But when it came to me actually getting the getting the vaccine, I was starting to freak out because I was thinking about little Kiana, maybe it's four or five, six or seven, who has to get this was driving the bus. Yeah, who had to get this vaccine and her mom literally had to hold her down because she was running around <laughs> the doctor's office because she didn't want it. You know, my mind went back there and I was like, I'm too old to run. So but you know, once I did it, I was like, oh, okay. So when I go back next well, at the end of this month. Of course, now I know, okay, it's cool. Not a big deal. Nothing to be afraid of. Yeah, and I'll recognize how many other areas of your life, for you and anyone listening now, recognize all the other areas of your life where you're running away from something that isn't even, like, it's not even painful. You think it's No, it's painful. true. You yeah. think it's going to hurt. You think, it, but then, right, how many times have you gone up to a boss and you put it off for three weeks or five months or say, you, I'm going to quit. I hate this guy. You know, you like work yourself up and you, you hate your life for six months and then you finally do it. And then you're like, wow, actually, I feel like, yeah, it was, it was, I was nervous, but I actually feel so, so relieved. Yeah. Right. It's true. And sometimes I think that we let the way we feel hinder us from doing things we should be doing. Because my whole motto with me is I might be afraid to do something, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it while I'm afraid because I'm one thing I know about me. I know enough about myself to know I may be afraid about something, but I can tell the difference between a logical fear and a fear that may be a little irrational. So I know if I'm in a dangerous situation, okay, yeah, fear is good. Run with that. But there are also times where I might be afraid to do something that has nothing to do with a dangerous situation. It may be about a promotion or going outside of my comfort zone and do something bigger than what I was doing. And I think that sometimes we we don't reach our goals and we don't succeed, not because we can't and we don't have the tools to do it, but we're afraid. And some, so many people don't go past that fear because it's okay to be afraid, but you have to know, okay, I'm scared, but it, I can do this. And you have to move past it. Yes, and this is actually a great segue. I'm actually developing a program called the Dragon Rider Program. Mm-hmm. And it is that. It's literally sitting with, learning how to be with your fear. Right. Because our fear, the, the dragons that 
guard the cave that we're afraid to enter, though those are the caves that we need to go. That's where the yeah. gold and the treasure is. And I'll I'll give you an example. I was afraid to ask for money. I'm a coach. <laughs> yeah. Living. And I'm sitting there every time I ask for money, I clam up and I like tense my shoulders and blah, blah, blah. and you know I'm able to you know get through it and make money and you know support myself. But every single time it was happening, I'm like, what is actually? And I got to a point. I had this this call, the sales call went great. I'm fantastic. Obviously, you can tell I, I love mm-hmm. talking with people. But as soon as money came up, I clammed up. Yeah, I came into myself, and then she, even though she was like, yeah, let's do it. As soon as I started talking about money, she's like, yeah, let me think about it. Let's let's connect tomorrow. Energetically, I was telling her to not buy it, yes, not buy yeah. my program. Because, and I said, you know what, I'm done with this. And I sat down and did this thing called fears inventory, right? Where it's a process where I elicit the deepest fears. And one of the fears that I had around money, because the thing is, the things that we desire most, we also fear the most. And that's yeah. why we don't have them, Right. I want love, but you're also scared to death of love, (laughs) right? Yeah. So I wanted money. I've been working. I've had periods in my life where I'm working 50 hours a week. I'm, uh, you know, investing and and, and making, doing, like learning how to run a business and running a business and trying Mm -hmm. to get clients and all this stuff and burning out. And as fast as I'm making money, money keeps slipping through my fingers if I make it. And it all stemmed to a limiting belief, one limiting belief, which was, Money makes love go away. So you can imagine, you can imagine if I believe on a deep unconscious level that money makes love go away, Mm -hmm. do you think I'm going to want money? No, you're not. So rationally, consciously, even my actions, what you're saying before, we need to do different things. There's a layer below action because you can do things and still sabotage all your actions. Mm Mm-hmm. I was sabotaging my making money efforts because I was afraid that money makes love go away because when I was young, my mom worked two jobs. So because she needed money, it made her love, her attention, her presence go away. I didn't have access to her. Right. So my three-year-old, four, however old it was, was like, well, if you make money, that means no one's going to love you anymore. So why would I ask for a bunch of money? Right. I value love over money. So the value of criteria, I value love. So money will, that's not important. So I shifted that belief really quickly with this process. And like I said, I'm creating a program about it. And this is what I do with my clients, but I'm teaching people how to do it themselves because it's so powerful. I changed the belief from money makes love to go away to people show me how much they actually love me. And how grateful they are in the form of financial abundance. So I completely shifted it. So people mm-hmm. actually show me they love me by giving me money. Right. So money no longer makes love go away. I get love as money. And as soon as I did that, the very next day, I signed up two clients. Awesome. Easy. Easy. And then I was like, well, that was easy. Let me see if I can push the envelope. I tripled my prices right? Mm-hmm. Tripled my prices, added two extra weeks so I can offer more value. And that month I signed up five clients at the triple my price. Yeah. Just because I changed one belief. That's the power of the subconscious mind. If no, you believe, true. if you believe that 
if you find true love, you'll be rejected. You're going to do everything that you possibly can to not find true love. Mm -hmm. And if that man or woman shows up in your life, you will run the other way, right? But if you believe that you deserve to be abused or manipulated, or you have to be in a transactional love relationship, like I have to give sex to get love, or I have to make money to get love. If that's what you believe your worth is and your value is, well, like you said, that's what you're going to search for. And you you look on Google for how many people died of vaccines. You find how many people died of vaccines, whether you like it or not, right? It's until you find it. Exactly. So people out there, it's not that you're not worthy of love and you don't deserve love. You are love. It's that something happened to you in the past that caused you to believe that you weren't worthy of love. Right. And that's not your fault. It was parents doing the best they can with what they got. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So that's the, that's what I do with people. You shift one belief. Is it okay to, to like talk about like sex on yeah, I don't know of any young kids that listen to the podcast. Okay. I think you're good. Okay, so I literally had a client message me the other day, and we did inner child work. She let go mm-hmm. of all this mom stuff, and you know, not saying any names, but all this stuff came out, and she shifted things around. We worked together for two weeks. She literally messaged me the other day, and it was like, James, what happened? I feel like I'm in my body for the first time in Amazing. ever. I like took a shot and I can feel like the water. Like it was, just, I just love being in the shower. And she said that she had her partner and you know, they had fun mm-hmm. and she didn't have to do mental gymnastics, doing backflips to try to, you know, orgasm. Yeah. Right. She like, it just happened. And we weren't even talking about relationships. We were talking about childhood stuff and mm-hmm. health. So these beliefs are bedrock foundational things that, have their fingers in all of our life. If exactly. you believe something foundational, like I'm not good enough, that ripples out into everything in your life. And if you pull that out now, I'm not good. If you pull it out like a file and just take it out and crack it in half and throw it away and burn it, mm-hmm. and you replace it with I am good enough, what do you think would change in your life? One of the big things that I've found in relationships with my clients is that, um, I don't know if this is true for you or not, but uh, a lot of people don't trust. They don't trust other people. Trust has been mm-hmm. broken or which they don't trust themselves to be able to create boundaries. And that also means they don't trust the universe to take care of them. Right. And when you don't trust yourself or others or anything, we like to control things. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, well, if, if I don't trust that you're going to do it, well, I'm going to make sure it happens. Right. Right. Does that, does that resonate? Yeah, it does. It does. And that's why last week we talked about toxic people. And the whole thing with toxic people is like, you don't always have to get rid of them, even though sometimes I do think it's necessary just to cut some people out of your life completely. But you can have boundaries. You can set rules. You can determine how often you see this person, how often you don't see them. You know, you can, you have, they have a space and you can figure out where to put them. Like I did an interview with, um, I think the guy, Sunel Gatsi a month ago, and he was talking about intuition and trusting your gut. And he was saying how with him, he realized that if he trusts his intuition, he has a place where he keep people. It's like at the far end, there's a middle place and then there's close to him. So he can determine where people go. Can they be close to him? 
can they be in the middle where they're just like not really friends they're just like acquaintances or should they just be people he knows so he talks about how based on his gut feeling and how they the feeling that they make him have when he's with them how he puts people into these different categories and I love that because I've always done it. I've always had people in categories. I've had friends, I've had acquaintances. And the people who were close to me were like my real friends, my true friends. Other people, because I know a lot of people, I talk all the time, they're acquaintances. And it's not personal. They don't even have to be bad people. It's just that maybe what they're going for in their lives, what they want, doesn't line up with what I want and where I'm trying to go. And so the people who are close to me, we need to all be on the same page so that I can get where I need to go and they can get where they need to go. But I can't do that with everybody. And so even though everybody, they're not bad or anything, but we're just on, we're just on different pages, actually, different spaces in our lives. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the way life is. We evolve as people every single day and we can't stay the same people we were. So that's what he talked about with intuition. And you're right, when it comes to trust and control, we have to know that we control what happens. We can trust our gut. We can trust the way we feel. And sometimes I think we don't because we are used to society. Society tells you, kind of dictates what you should do, how you should handle people, how you should deal with people. And I remember being a teenager and I used to tell people, just because we're family don't mean that we have to be close. And I wasn't saying it to be rude. I just remember telling someone that a teenager because this family member was doing things that really it wasn't me. We had nothing in common, but I still love them, but I didn't think we had to be the best of friends just because we're related. <laughs> just like, we're related. I don't have to be the best of friends, but if you need something, you know, I'm there for you, but I just don't think that we had to be that close. And I remember my mom saying, Kiana, but you're family. I'm like, yes, but that doesn't mean we had to be best friends. <laughs> like, I didn't choose this, but I'm there for you if you need me. So I've always been like this. I've always had close friends, acquaintances, and then people in between who come in and out of my life who weren't really meant to stay. They were just there for that season and for that time. And then that's how that worked out. I love that. Yeah, I love that. And I love the concept of categorizing. Yeah. Um, and that that's powerful, right? Because when you know, it's like boxes, right? It's like beliefs <laughs> and boxes are useful. We need them. It's a structure so that we can interact with the world. Yeah. So when we know who's acquaintances, who's friends, and who's like, who's our people, mm-hmm. it's like now you know how to interact with them. Yes. Right? And it saves you a lot of heartache because you don't give trusted information to acquaintances who may go and tell everything. Your trusted information goes to people you trust, people you know you can trust. It, you know, acquaintances, you just give them general information. And there's so much to talk about. Like, you can tell them anything. And if they tell it, it doesn't even matter because that's not personal. <laughs> not something yeah. that can tear you, or, you know, make you or break you. It's just a comment. It's something you said. So. Yeah. I have a fourth box. I have clients. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I have, I have acquaintances who become clients and then they become my friends. And then if they're like cool enough, they, they become like my tribe, you know? Yeah. Um, that's really, that's really funny. I like to, uh, I like to tell people just imagine for a moment in your like unconscious mind or in your heart, even like a castle mm-hmm. i i run a program called the royal relationship program yeah and the whole concept is we are all kings and queens of our own reality we just forgot right yeah. and if you're a king and queen you have a castle right yeah. but most people most people their castle is not taken care of 
the the drawbridge to the moat is just locked down or locked up. Either mm-hmm. they don't let anyone in or they let everyone in. Yeah. Right. And it's rusted and it's old and you know, it doesn't work. And then there's nobody in the courtyard. There's no armed guards in the courtyard to make sure everything's okay. And then they literally just people just walk into their castle, right? Mm-hmm. And then they walk up into the throne room. You're sitting on your throne. This is your reality. This is your world. And they like they're carrying bags of of their stuff, their garbage, their trauma, their baggage, all this stuff. And you invite them into the throne room. You're like, yeah, let's have a feast together. Like, let's come back to the bridal chamber, right? Yeah. And literally, they have these bags of just ugh, stinky stuff. And they throw it all over your throne room and then they leave mm-hmm. because they feel better. Yeah. Right. Cause they dumped on you and right. now you're stuck in your throne room sad because you feel abandoned and you have to clean up the mess that they made. You have mm-hmm. to scrub out the, the carpets, right? The expensive carpets that you have in your throne room. And yeah. like, eventually you're like, okay, well, all right. I, I, I cleared out most of the stuff. And then the next person waltzes in. Right, because there's no drawbridge. It's, they just come yeah. in, and you're like, "Oh yeah, do you want to have food? Do you want to eat? Do you want to sleep with me?" And then they throw their bag of garbage in there, and it's like this perpetual cycle. What I teach people is, what happens in childhood is we have natural born defense mechanisms and boundaries. Mm-hmm. When someone crosses our boundaries as a child, we cry. Yeah. When someone does something we don't like, we're like, eh, and we start throwing things, right? If someone literally tries to feed a baby and the baby doesn't want to be fed in that moment, it'll 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 throw things. No, mm-hmm. no. But that's not proper, right? So what happens right. is our parents squish our warrior archetype, the part of us that defends our boundaries, because you can't have a child that's just doing whatever the hell they want, right? It's a natural <laughs> process. Right. And what they do is they put the king to sleep. They put the, the queen to sleep. The parents do. Because you don't have independence and authority when you're a child. If the child is more of a king and queen than the parent, well, that's a that's an unhealthy dynamic. Yeah. So the parents put the king and queen to sleep. But the thing is, is we don't have any processes. We used to have rites of passage and all this stuff. We don't have any processes to wake up the warrior and wake up the king. Mm-hmm. So we have a castle, which is our body, our energy, our mind our hearts are are like sexual organs. We have this temple, but we don't have any guards. We don't have any boundaries. The the natural defense mechanisms like the moat to keep people out and to bring people in by our choosing, it's broken and no one can pull it up, right? Because we don't have anybody there. And then we we need people in our lives to make us feel loved and connected. So we just invite anyone in off the street to connect with us, right? But then they dump their garbage and they leave. They come, they eat, they leave. So what I teach people is it's okay to have literally like archers at the wall, right? And it's like, Mm -hmm. it's okay to have your defense mechanisms. It's okay to have your drawbridge up because you are sacred. Your energy is, is, is beautiful. So when someone comes and says, hey, Hey, let down your drawbridge. I like you. Come on. Yep. Let me in. Let me in. And you're like, what's in the bag, buddy? What's in the bag? Right? Before you let them in as friends, before you let them into the courtyard where the party's at, 
you say, mm-hmm. what are you bringing into my space? Right. And then they'll, what they'll do is they'll either say, oh, no, nothing, nothing. You're like, I don't trust you. Hit the, hit the road, Jack. Or they're like, actually, I come bearing gifts because there are people who've done their inner work mm-hmm. and are like, yo, just love, love bomb people. Yeah. Right? So you let those people into the courtyard. You let the drawbridge down. Right. And then let them prove themselves as friends for a while or acquaintances and love, whatever. And then, you know what, if they're really cool and you start to trust them, they're not dumping stuff. They're not, you know, they're throwing stuff out where it needs to be thrown out. Then you let them into the table. Yeah. It's like, let's eat together. Let's let's see if this works. But you have control over the entire process. But most people don't have their warrior, their their doormats. And most people don't understand that they're a king and a queen. Right. And they can actually, like, the power of the king and queen is like, I decree this, and it happens. They wave their hands say yes or no. Yeah. That's the power we all have, but we forgot. Or our parents, like, squished it, you know? Um, so when you start to activate that, oof, life changes a lot. Life changes. Yeah, like that. I remember when I was 18... Because, you know, when I was eight, I remember being a kid and people would do things and I'd be all annoyed with them. And I was like, that's okay. Wait till I'm 18. I'm going to tell everybody what I think about them. So I actually followed through with that when I turned 18. Oh, no. Yeah, it wasn't a very nice Kiana at that point because anybody that ever thought anything about from the time I was six all the way up to 18, oh, I told no. them because I was like, I'm grown now. I can't get in trouble for it. Nobody can tell me anything about it. So I did go through a period. I told everybody everything I ever thought about them my whole entire life. But then I also realized that was not the way to go. But it was liberating. But I realized it wasn't the way to go. So then... How long did it take you to figure that out? (laughs) Well, I figured it out after the first person I told. But at that point, I didn't care because I was an adult. And they couldn't do anything. And just the freedom of knowing no one could touch me. (laughs) Nobody could do anything to me. I just went on with what I was going to do. But then as I got wiser, I was like, okay. So I might need these people later on in life. And so me going through and just telling everyone all the mean things I ever thought about them probably doesn't need to be said. So I decided the best thing to do was, okay, if people are fine and they're cool, then great. If I see someone trying to overset boundaries, I will address it then. And I believe in addressing things immediately because if you let something go, then it just continues. And you have to deal with more foolishness if you just put boundaries down at the very beginning. And I also realized that all the mean things I thought about people as a kid, maybe I should just let that be in the past and mm-hmm. not go tell people stuff. But it, that's when I realized, or you could say my inner warrior came back because I was just like, oh, yes. okay, I'm going to tell everybody everything I ever thought about them. But of course, I got wiser. And so with me, my whole process is, um, I feel like I'm a loving person. I'm a kind person. But when people feel like they can walk over me, I put my boundaries down. Like, nope. This is not going to happen. This is what we have to do. And if people continue at that point trying to overset boundaries, then I just cut ties because yep. I do feel life is short. I feel like I don't have so I don't have time for all this negative energy. I don't have time for people to dump junk on me exactly. and everything like that. I just don't have the time, nor do I have the energy, nor do I want to be a cleanup person. Why would you want that? Yeah. yeah. So I don't even deal with it. And life is great. You know, it really is because I control what happens. I can control what people say to me, what people may do. Yeah, I was going to say that we actually train people how to act 
If someone yeah. tries to do something sly and you're like, yo, never do that again. Mm-hmm. They're not going to do it again. Or no. They're going to leave. Yeah. No, that's very true. And I, I'm, I'm like the queen of calling people out. And it's only, you know, I would tell people, nope, can't do this. But it's always in a nice way because I want to get the point across. I don't want them to be like, oh, she's angry. No, I'm not mad about it. You know, you tried something. I caught you. Yes. Don't do that. And that's just yeah. it. And it doesn't have to be any more discussion, no no hard feelings about it. It's just like, okay, that's not going to work in this relationship or in this friendship or in this work relationship. This is not going to work, so let's not do that. <laughs> let's mm-hmm. move forward. And for me, it works very well. Where can we find out more about you to hear more about what you're doing? So right now I'm on Facebook. Okay. Um, and I create content on Facebook and Instagram. Um, but I also have really powerful groups on Facebook. One's called the Royal Relationship, mm-hmm. right, community. And the other is called the Bold Life Tribe. So the Bold Life Tribe is focused and centered around men and men's work. Um, where we, uh, we, right now we just started a 14-day challenge on like a breath practice to keep mm-hmm. men in alignment with their words. That's one of the biggest issues for women is you say one thing, but then you do another. I love you, but then you hurt me. You know, like I won't cheat on you, but then you're, you're having sex with this other woman, right? Like, it's like, how can we bring the masculine back into alignment? And the Royal relationship community is all about releasing all the old negative, toxic, traumatic patterns that keep you from experiencing the love that you deserve and giving you the uh, tools and techniques to actually communicate with your partner in a way where you'll be not only understood, but fully received. So I teach people how to do that. So that's where you can find me, Facebook, James Bronsbach, the Royal Relationship Community. And literally, like, if you guys hop on a 30-minute call with me, um, I've had people literally just, like, their lives change from that, right? Yeah. So, yeah, come talk to me. I'm an open book. I will hypnotize you. Um, it'll be fun. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I really appreciate you for uh, having me on this this beautiful platform and space that you've created. I can tell that you're a well-educated uh, person because you you love to learn and grow. Right. And like that in and of itself, that's what sets you apart from most people. You're willing to do what it takes to learn. Mm-hmm. And because you've invested that time and energy and the knowledge, that makes you valuable. So if anyone is listening to this, also hop on a call with her because I know she'll be able to help you too. <laughs> Thank you so much, James. And I'll make sure that I have all of James' information in the show notes and it'll be in a link. So all you have to do is click on it and it'll take you to his Facebook groups and to him on Facebook as well so that you can get in contact with James. Thank you so very much for being on Music and Therapy. I truly appreciate it. Thank you. What an amazing interview. I enjoyed so much talking to James. Now, you notice we talked a lot about self-assessment and improving upon yourself before you can be successful in any relationship. And that's because it's all about the self-work. You cannot give somebody what they need if you don't have what you need. And in order to have what you need, you have to know yourself, know what you need, and also know how to teach people how to treat you. So I found this to be an amazing interview. The song that we're going to listen to today is called The Letter. And it's about a woman who's going through a period of self-assessment and she's learning about herself and she's letting herself know that she's stronger than she thinks she is. So here is the song, The Letter.
Podcast, I would like to thank BetterHelp for their continued support of the Music and Therapy Podcast. BetterHelp is a counseling online service and they are there to help you. Their goal is to help people become the best version of themselves that they can be, which is in line with what we want to do here at Music and Therapy. So I'm extremely happy to work with them. Now, BetterHelp is not a do it yourself kind of thing, it's not one of those things that you do for self help. BetterHelp is actually licensed counselors and trained professionals who are there to help you navigate through the most difficult times in your life. BetterHelp has licensed professional therapists and counselors who are knowledgeable and certified in their area of study. For example, here are some of the things I love about BetterHelp. It's not a traditional wait in the office kind of thing. You can meet with them online. So because it's online, people can meet with them in the United States, people can meet with them in Europe, and in Africa. They can help anyone, anywhere in the world. Why? Because they are online. They are flexible. You can talk to a counselor within 24 to 48 hours of signing up. 
for services. They will match you with someone who will be able to help you. You can talk to a professional who has a specific expertise that may not be in your area. Why? Because they are online. Another thing that I love about BetterHelp is that they actually help people who don't have the money or resources to get counseling. And that's the thing that I love. So there's like, they're not holding counseling back from you because you may not be able to afford it, especially if you have lost your job because of the pandemic or have financial issues. They have scholarships available. They even have financial aid available. So you can get the help that you need if you are desperately in need for help. BetterHelp is available and BetterHelp is willing to help and serve you. So if you would like to get more information about BetterHelp or sign up for services, what you can do is click the link in the show notes and in the link, that's the link to BetterHelp. And we also have a promo code. And the great thing about the promo code is that if you put in music and vibes, that's our promo code, they will give you 10% off of your first month of service. So if you are in need of BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, go check it out. Click the link in the show notes. Put in the promo code, and you will be on your way to begin the process of healing. I would also like to thank you guys so much for listening to me. I enjoy our time. I can't tell you enough how much I enjoy hanging out with you, spending time with you. So thank you guys so much for listening. It's appreciated, and I just love you guys. Thank you so much. Now, on that note, I want to invite you to join our Facebook group. It's not the same without you. I miss you. I want you in the group. So Go ahead and join our Facebook group, and it's easy to do. There's a link in the show notes. Click on the link and join. And I made it easy so that anybody can join. You don't have to wait for approval. You don't have to wait for anything. Just click the link, click join, and you are in. So I hope I see you in the Facebook group soon because that would just be amazing. Join our Facebook group. I also want to encourage you to follow the podcast on Spotify or Apple Music or iTunes, wherever you're listening. Go ahead and follow the podcast. Also, leave me a comment. I would love to hear your thoughts on the show. And then I also want to encourage you to share the podcast with a friend. There are people out there who need to hear some of what we're talking about. And because you are able to listen to it, and if you know someone who needs to hear what we're talking about, go ahead. Share the podcast with a friend. Sharing is caring. By sharing, you are sharing the podcast. You're helping to grow our community. And you're also caring enough about your friends and your neighbors to share and let them know, hey, these are just some things that you can try out if you are dealing with these issues. Now, if you guys want to contact me, it's easy to do. I have all that information in the show notes. It says join me on social media. So yeah, click on any one of those links. You can send me a message. You can DM me. Whatever you want to do, you can go ahead and do that. And I promise you, if you send me a message, I will respond to you. I think that's all I have to tell you. If you guys make anything else, send me a message, let me know. Any questions you want answered, go ahead and let me do that. So have an amazing week. Enjoy your time with family and friends, and I will talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.